Okay. All right. Uh, so we're not quite at um, quorum, and I know. Oh, there's Mike coming on. Sorry, my physical started at three and lasted until four oh eight. I made as clear as I could. There we are. <laughs> Participants. So, Mike, we are not at quorum. So, um, if you'd like, we're welcome to uh, kind of leave the minutes for now and we could do the rest of the agenda and see if we reach quorum at any time in the meeting. I concur. Okay. All right. Should we? So, uh, then we have two items to talk about for those of us who are in attendance. Um, we want to start with the central station. Uh, we haven't yet kicked it to Jared to let him do the intro and roll call. Oh, so we'll perfect. Sorry. There and then we'll, then we'll jump Sorry. in. Um, brains round. Uh, go ahead and introduce us, Jared, please. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Jared Allen, Administrative Technician, Lawrence Transit. With me here is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. He will work alongside Mike Wazikowski to facilitate the meeting's proceedings. Meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon down on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. And now I will do roll call. Lance Fay. Here. Austin Stippler. It sounds like not present. Mike Wozniakowski. I am present. Foster Spicinger. Do not see their name on the attendee list. Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory Critchlow. Do not see them on participant list right now. Bill Wilson. Same answer. August Rudisell. Same answer. Freddie Gitt. Same answer. And if that's it, that leaves us with three, which is definitely short of a quorum. So uh, this is not an official meeting, which means we can't vote, um, but we can still address agenda items as we see fit up to the point of making an actual motion to uh, issue guidance or whatnot. Um, so uh, first thing first, uh, is there anyone in the room for public comment physically? Nobody in the room. Okay. And there are a couple of names that I do not necessarily recognize on the participant list. Um, if any of them want to speak now, this is the opportunity. I'll be introducing Mark Price here in just a minute. He's a okay. New... That was the name I didn't recognize. So that kind of says no. There's no uh, 
no public comment then. And the next item on the agenda would be to review and approve the minutes, but we cannot do that as we are not in an official meeting. So I believe then that we can uh, progress with uh, regular agenda items, starting with uh, central station updates. Right, and, I'm, and Mike, I might ask if I could do Mark Price's introduction now, just in case he needs to sure. pop off. Um, that works for me. I wanted, um, if Mark could turn video on, I just wanted to introduce Mark Price, uh, new uh, budget analyst working with our transit group. He has been with the Municipal Services and Operations group um, as a finance employee, and there's some transition time where he's working for both of those groups, but will um, soon be full-time with us and just wanted to introduce him here uh, to you all um, since he's a new a newer team member on, on our team. Hello, as uh, Adam mentioned, I'm Mark Price. Uh, he also stole the rest of my lines, uh, so, but I look forward to uh, working with all of you. Thanks, Mark. Nice to meet you. All right, so I'm happy to jump back to the central station if that works for you. Yes, it does. Thank you. All right, so have an update for you all uh, regarding the central station project. Screen going here. Okay, so uh, you'll notice one change um, to presentations. I am trying to frame everything in a similar way that we do a lot of the um, strategic plan updates to the city commission. We've changed some formatting to more closely connect the work we're doing with the strategic plan. So you'll see some of that alignment just in, in the layout of, of future presentations about projects. So, uh, we are in the uh, connected city outcome area for the most part is where a lot of uh, transit work lives. Uh, there are a couple of exceptions to that. Um, well, trouble with slides advancing. So uh, the connected city outcome area, uh, this information is provided each time we talk through uh, any work being done in this outcome area. So this just gives you an idea of what types of things live in that part of the strategic plan. So uh, it's all about infrastructure, facilities, um, uh, mobility, you know, moving people throughout Lawrence, as well as information and IT, and uh, investments in these areas help uh, contribute to the well-being of people in Lawrence. There are 14 progress indicators, performance indicators that the city measures um, to track progress on this outcome area. There are uh, a number of these that transit tries to move the needle on in the direction we want things to go, whether that's uh, increasing or decreasing certain, um, certain trends. In the central station project, I've highlighted the three uh, performance indicators that are most impacted by our work on this project. So um, the first of those being the percent of residents satisfied 
um, were very satisfied with their transportation experience. Also, the percent of trips not taken in automobiles and public infrastructure projects that account for climate, climate adaptation. There's a little more info. Um, you know, I wrote some justification as to how we think this project influences those three performance indicators. So, of course, improving the rider experience, we think, will improve people's satisfaction with our services, um, more uh, purposeful infrastructure such as this makes the transit system more attractive. So we do believe it'll have some impact on ridership and people's willingness to use the bus in Lawrence. And then this project accounted for climate in a number of different ways through its process. A, couple, a few of those primary ways were use of an existing building uh, instead of old demolition and reconstruction. There will be solar on the canopy to the bus platform. And uh, through the city commission's guidance, we're not including irrigation. So we'll be establishing drought tolerant plants without a lot of um, turf that would need mowed and watered to stay alive. I wanted to frame this project in the context of our work plan this year. So I've highlighted in orange um, a few of those projects that this project touches. So obviously the construction of Central Station, but uh, this project is also very closely aligned with route redesign. Once this is completed, we'll be able to implement the next phase of route changes in August. There are legal agreements to work through for the K-10 connector um, to come to this station. And our travel training program, which is going uh, very well, uh, more people will, we expect to desire training on how to use new routes um, and kind of operate through Central Station with new routes there. Give you a big picture look at the timeline, uh, which we're still on track for. These are timelines that were laid out in the contract uh, with our uh, contractor that was selected for the construction work. So that construction officially started uh, January 23rd. Um, we expect substantial completion of the site to be done by the end of June. So that would be a concrete work that would allow us to drive vehicles on and off the site. There are a few additional months allowed for the building to have substantial completion. So everything within the facility itself, offices, restrooms, break rooms, all of the details required in the rehab of the building um, by the end of September. And then final completion for everything to be wrapped up. This would include all uh, things like landscaping and any other touch-up type details um, completed by the end of October. So uh, this timeline allows us to be fully ready to operate for August 1st route changes. We may be dealing with some uh, challenges around the building not being fully complete for a couple of months into the fall, but should be able to navigate that so long as we can move buses on off the site. A uh, few other details about the project, just to give you an idea kind of what type of things we're working through. There are, uh, there's a whole section of the project called finishes, furnishings, and equipment. These are um, pieces of the project that the city's responsible for navigating as opposed to the construction contractor. So um, 
we are the our staff is the one who has to um, define specific details about what our lobby seating looks like. Uh, there's graphics out on bush uh, uh, like windscreens on the platform. There's a lot of digital infrastructure, so there's interactive kiosks where people will be able to plan their trips or see uh, detour information or um, other city information, real-time signage for when buses will arrive, as well as the public art component of the project. Um, all of those pieces, those kind of finishing pieces are in the hands of our staff to work through uh, procurement and get those things included in, in the project. I referenced the coordination with K-10. Uh, we are also coordinating with Greyhound. Those are two regional services that will be coordinating and there is planned bus bay space for them to service Central Station. So uh, people will be able to connect directly from local routes uh, to Johnson County Community College on the K-10 connector and other Johnson County routes that are served from there and Greyhound uh, also from Central Station. So I jotted down a few of the uh, topics that we have to work through in both those cases. There are legal documents, um, uh, usually MOUs for how that service will operate and what sort of access people will have and, and different things. There's of course, uh, the logistics of routing and scheduling, start and end dates for their services, um, signage to direct people, wayfinding um, to get to these certain stops, and then any other information that we can integrate uh, either digitally on the digital signage we'll have or at our customer service window. Included some site photos. There are more of these coming in. Um, uh, pretty much weekly. So this isn't a whole lot for you, but wanted to give you a little sense of how things are looking. So this, uh, these two pictures are from early February, early to mid-February inside the building. Um, so contractors removed everything except for uh, concrete slab, steel supports, and um, you see some of the roof and walls. Those will also get re refurbished with new material. But give you a sense of the scale inside um, that we have to work with. And then a couple outdoor photos. These are towards the end of February. So um, a lot's changed since then. If you have a chance to drive or walk by the site, you'll see more um, hill work being done to regrade the hill uh, in a way that flattens things out for, for bus service. But a couple of photos here of, of how they've constructed some ramps to be removing dirt from uh, the hillside, some of that will be able to be repurposed um, to fill down lower. Some of it has to just be hauled offsite because it's not suitable for that subgrade material. But give you a sense of how the that hill is shaping up. And that's really the content I have for you for the update on Central Station. I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, we do try to keep the project website as up-to-date as possible on what our next steps are and if there's any changes in timeline or anything else. Um, so I would encourage you to check into that if you're interested, but of course, happy to answer any questions anybody has now. I'll open it to the floor, which is admittedly small one. Uh, Lance, Alan, do you guys have any 
questions, comments, concerns before we start or before I go? Yeah, the, this is Al Ackland, PTAC member. Um, but I also got to leave that large tree there. Are they taking any special precautions during constructions to make sure that the construction process to make sure they don't damage that tree? Yeah, that's a good question. So this is the large one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're uh, at our kickoff meeting with the contractor and then in subsequent ones talked about. Um, but so what they're doing is they've they've outlined a fence line at the drip line. So the farthest branches that extend out straight down to the ground from that, they are um, trying to not disturb as much as possible. And that's the guidance from our horticulture team on um, making sure we keep that tree. That tree is very important to um, uh, cooling of the building. It'll provide a lot of shade on the west side of the building where we have some larger windows. So um, that tree is important for a couple of different reasons, some very practical to energy costs and, and heating and that sort of thing. And it's not an ash tree. It is not. It's a big oak. Yeah. Right. yeah no, no, no ash borer on that one. <laughs> uh, anything else, Alan or Lance? Okay. Um, only question I really had from looking at this was about the timeline, Adam, that uh, we had originally been envisioning that this would be open before the start of the 2023 semester. And this timeline very clearly shows we're not going to meet that. So uh, what's the, uh, how does this impact when we're going to uh, do rerouting and uh, publishing of a new schedule for the next uh, school year? Yeah, so um, even though we may not be there on the building side of things, we do plan to change routes um, at the beginning of that semester. It was the critical path for us was making sure that the site was substantially complete before that August first date so that people could safely transfer between buses and use the platform. Um, so it is possible that the building or portions of the building aren't able to be used starting right away in August. Um, but that would not delay us changing routes at, at the typical time that we do in August. So I think, you know, and we're still very early as the contractor gets um, gets into this. I think uh, early on, they had some confidence that they could beat the substantial completion date for the building. Of course, a number of things can impact that along any construction process with supply chain and weather and anything else. But um I think we've got some hope that maybe that's a little earlier than the end of September. Um, of course, we would prioritize the work as much as possible in the building to be the public facing portions. Um, so people able to enter for restrooms and customer service and that type of thing. If staff offices aren't done until October, that is not a problem for, um, for the operations that we need. So it's a little bit of, it'll be a little bit of a dance course, in a perfect world, everything would be completely wrapped up. Um, but we're we're pushing kind of as fast as we can on on this site. Okay, thank you for that. 
I mean, I personally, I'm definitely concerned about that, but public facing stuff, as long as you're confident that the routes can still run through the new location and what public stuff inside of the building that people will want to use once routes start going to the site will be feasible, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, and we'll certainly, you know, we'll be communicating with this group and, and publicly a lot as we get into the summer and are starting to have a better a picture of how things are going to shape up. There will be um, a lot of prep work and outreach for how how that transition is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I do see one member of the public on the line. JT, do you have any comments, questions or concerns about this? I will take that as a no. Um, Margaret, I assume you, you don't have anything or you would have chipped in by now? Well, I thought I'd wait, but I have. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead now. Been driving by it on occasion, and I think it's incredibly exciting. So it's a lot of fun to watch it all spring out of the ground, as it were. And my mom and stepdad also have been enjoying going by and looking at what's happening as they go through their daily lives so it's really gratifying i think and i think adam will agree to see something that we've been trying to do for so long finally actually happening uh, i will admit i too when i drive by grin every time i see new marks of progress on the site so I'm very happy. Um, that said, sounds like we have exhausted comments, questions, and concerns about this. So uh, let's uh, talk about the uh, Fair Free program then. Just mention one comment as I get out of this screen. Uh, we do have a coming soon sign that will be installed along Bob Billings with a link to Lawrence Transit's website, the project website for Central Station for people who may not know what construction is happening there. Of course, it's been pretty publicized, but um, we'll get the sign out there so that uh, if people are in the area, they know what's what's on the way. Nice. Uh, would you consider putting a QR code on that so that people can just pull out their camera and jump to it instead of having to type in the URL? That is a good idea. Yeah, we've got time for that. So appreciate the thought. Okay, so I will jump into Fair Free. Okay, so again, you'll notice the um, arrangement of these slide decks. I won't spend as much time on a couple of the recurring slides. So. Again, the, uh, the stock slide of what we are looking at for Connected City, all of the full um, performance indicators that are measured um, to measure uh, how we are achieving the outcome of Connected City. In the case of the Fair Free Pilot Program, there are three measures as well that, that are impacted by this work. So uh, again, resident satisfaction with transit. There is a cost per fixed route passenger metric. So uh, our fixed route service is, um, you know, we have a scheduled number of hours, so it's a relatively fixed cost for the year as ridership goes up. 
costs come cost per passenger comes down. So that one has a chance to be impacted. And then the percent of trips not taken in an automobile. I maybe alluded to some of that explanation already, so I won't spend uh, extra time on this slide, but some, some uh, discussion around how we think this fare-free program will impact each of these three performance measures. Looking at our work plan, uh, we have evaluation activities planned for the program, uh, as well as again, touching with the travel training program. As more people are writing, as new writers are writing, we've certainly had more people reaching out to us, both individuals and groups uh, for training on how to use the bus system now that it's free, um, how to use certain routes, and, um, and that's been going pretty well. So at a later date, we'll probably deserve a deeper discussion on travel training as we get into that more, because that's that's been a really um, positive new new program for us um, that Andy Lynch, our staff, has been doing a great job at. So um, at some point, that'll, that sh we'll come back to this group with some more detail. Timeline on this program. So we've committed to providing quarterly reports on how it is going. So what you'll see today is, is kind of the development, or very early development of our first report. Um, we do not have a whole lot of information for you, but we're trying to provide something in anticipation of middle of next month having kind of a, a better full snapshot of what January, February, March looked like in regards to fare free. So uh, you see the first quarterly report mid-April, another quarterly report mid-July. With the third quarterly report in, uh, in October, that's when we'll be taking a very hard look at program extension or if there is a need to bring back fares. So with this group, there will be a discussion around um, how the budget is looking and funding availability for that to continue. Um, if there, uh, if we were struggling to have appropriate funding to maintain fare free service, uh, what we'd be talking through with this group is either bringing back fares in some fashion or um, maintaining fare free while looking at cuts to service in order to afford it. So um, those are some of the things to have early on your radar. We're six months away from that discussion, seven months away from that discussion, but. Uh, that will be coming later in the year um, as we look at fare free in its future. Okay. If you have these charts on your computers at home, this will be easier to zoom in on. So I apologize for the small um, the small data that you're looking at uh, here. I can zoom in a little. Um, the The big picture takeaway there's there's two slides here with route by route ridership information. There's uh, on each chart, there's information that goes back to 2019. So every year from 2019 uh, through today, monthly ridership. And uh, we're interested on a route by route basis, which routes are uh, exceeding pre-COVID numbers. And, um, you know, as a measure of how we're doing compared to how routes were performing before the pandemic, 
Um, this first slide that we're looking at uh, are the higher performing routes. So routes six, seven, nine, and 10 are all exceeding uh, pre-COVID numbers, in some cases pretty dramatically, in cases of um, routes six and seven in particular. Route nine is uh, an interesting one. It's exceeding 2020 January numbers, um, which was pre-COVID, but not yet above uh, 2019 numbers there. So um, I've not consolidated February numbers for you all so that we can see that trend. I said there will be better info in that first official quarterly report, but wanted to give you some idea that there are a handful of routes that are doing uh, quite well ridership-wise as we look back towards um, how service was before the pandemic. And I can come back to the slide if we have more questions on that. I'll give an overview of the next slide first and happy to zero in on any route if someone has questions. So we've got a lot of info here. You've got eight routes on the screen, five years worth of data. So it's a lot of information to pack, but there's a lot of similarities in the remainder of uh, the city and coordinated routes. Um, almost all of these routes are exceeding the last two years of ridership um, by pretty healthy amounts, but are not yet uh, pushing past 2019, 2020 numbers. We're not quite pushing past the pre-COVID ridership levels. I'll point out that Route 11 is a little bit of an interesting one. There were, um, you know, more significant changes to that route in the first phase of route redesign and, and the way that that uh, route got structured. We coordinated with Route 12. Um, one thing that I think is notable there is that Route 38 has picked up service to the reserve, um, which is a pretty healthy ridership stop that Route 11 used to pick up at. So that may um, have an impact on, on that route kind of being where it's at. I'll highlight that there is some coordination ongoing with uh, Kitty Urban Planning class is helping us do some additional survey work of both riders and drivers on a fare free transit experience. So we're interested in learning from riders if they are uh, riding more often than they did before. They are riding to different places or using new routes than they did before. Um, learning if we are mostly seeing people who are already riders, or if we are uh, interacting with some newer riders to the system. So they're modeling their survey work off of similar uh, surveys that were done in Kansas City after um, a year or more of fare-free service. So we should get some good qualitative data from that and some rider stories to understand what people's experiences are. Same with drivers. I think I'll probably leave that about there and answer any questions. Yeah, we're at the end of the slide here. So um, happy to go back to any specific chart or um, anything else that we talked through. Like I said, this is a pretty slim presentation, but wanted to give you some indication of how Fairfree was looking after we've got a month of data in here. Um, and we'll certainly try to beef that up more. I see, Margaret, did you have something before we kick I, it over to? Yes, I wanted to add 
three comments about how looking at the data uh, might be helpful. It's important to note that Route 27 is on the KU schedule. And so where it drops down to zero and has really low numbers in August, December, January, and May, that is because of it not operating when classes aren't in session. So where you see that run down to the zero line at the beginning and end of the year and in the middle, that's one thing, and that is also true in routes 11 and 12 slash 29. Um, the ridership changes pretty dramatically when classes aren't in session, and so that accounts for that hilly uh, bit in the middle on those. Um, and the other thing I was going to comment is that when KU went fair free, we experienced over the course of a year almost 100% ridership increase, which I don't think that Lawrence Transit will experience, but our consultants at the time said we should expect about a 20% jump. And changing in January, it, it's a bit of a slow start. I think that you'll see these numbers climb as the year goes on. It's my suspicion anyway. Thanks, Margareta. Um, Alan, Lance, do you guys have anything you wanna ask or comment on regarding this information? Uh, Lance Fay, Vice Chair, I definitely as a rider, am seeing uh, more people on the bus consistently uh, on the routes that I ride. And um, I've actually kind of wondered if um, Route 7 in particular, since it serves both Lawrence High and Central, if they've had um, maybe been so busy they couldn't pick up more riders a couple times. Uh, that's what I'm hearing from one of my kids. So I'm definitely seeing an increase in ridership. And we'll follow up on that. We, you know, it's something we definitely would be concerned about. Um, of course, fixed route is tricky if you reach capacity, um, which we, um, don't, we didn't tend to anticipate, but um, we'll follow up and see if we can learn more about that Route 7 LHS experience. Is that where you heard that, Lance? Uh, my daughter has complained of them not stopping near Central on that after-school round, and that would be right after school gets out right. during the day, and they go by both LHS and Central on their route coming inbound. I think they also serve a grade school as well. Yes, that's a school-focused route. It hits Broken Arrow Elementary. So I think that, yeah, so like that that route right after school, like you can see the six get really full right when Free State gets out of high school as well. But the seven, uh, I've overheard complaints of it not stopping at Central because they're so full. There are actually five schools along that route if you count Cordley and South uh, Billy Mills too. Thanks for that conversation. Alan, do you have anything you want to question? Coming no. no. Okay, thank you. Uh, Lance, were you done? Don't want to catch up. Okay. Um, 
Uh, for the most part, I'm pleased with these numbers. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that uh, some of our routes are not showing the evidence that fare free is improving at this time because a lot of January was the period where we uh, were out of school session for uh, KU. So a big chunk of ridership was not necessarily there. It, and if I recall correctly, it was also there were a couple cold snaps that prevented us from being able to uh, operate buses. And so that can have an impact as well. Um, but the four routes that you showed on slide eight that uh, have uh, increased ridership up basically exceeding what we had pre-COVID are really exciting for me to see, in my opinion. I look forward to seeing what happens with the first full quarter of information. Yeah, and one thing I didn't uh, mention in the slides, but uh, should have, is that we are keeping a close eye as well on uh, paratransit demands. That is a service that we um, must rise to meet the demand that comes to us. We have to serve people equitably. So um, that is an area where we could have increased cost and strain on the system if we need more drivers and, and vehicles out at different times to serve people an appropriate amount of time. So we're tracking that um, data as well, both people who are already registered users, are they writing more? And are we seeing more applications for, for use of that service? Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on at each of the quarters. Uh, Lance Faye, Vice Chair, a question about paratransit. Um, is there a an official policy on limits per trans trips per day uh, currently in place on paratransit? Uh, I want to confidently say no. I'm like I'm 95% say no. There's not a limit on the number of trips per day. Okay. Um, you, if you're eligible for the service, you can utilize the service. Or have there been staffing shortages that have caused them to not be able to serve as much as they want? Um, I've heard I've heard from one person that was told that they could only do one trip a day, and I, I, it's just something I heard, so I don't know. But I'm curious if there's been a problem with that. Yeah, that's yeah, that would not be the case. Um, we do get uh, as part of our monthly oversight of the service provider, we see all information related to uh, paratransit and nightline trip refusals and denials. So, in in some cases, uh, particularly at the busiest morning and afternoon peak periods it can be difficult to accommodate uh, or not able to accommodate the exact time people want to travel. So there's a negotiation that happens uh, between the writer and our uh, admin staff who help reserve trips. And so uh, in many cases, we ask people to travel, you know, 15 minutes earlier, or 15 minutes later than they're asking for to accommodate the, the vehicles that are on the street. So there are limits um, and there are uh, percentages of denials that we have, they're um, very low. Um, and if they rise over certain percentages, we're um, responsible to the federal government on why we're not accommodating those trips. So there is a, a limit there and a breaking point, but we haven't yet seen that show up in the, in the data, I would say. Uh, with that uh, public comment, JT, you have your hand up. You have the floor. 
Thank you for this data. It's, it's very nicely presented and really nice to see. Thanks, JT. Um, unless somebody else has another comment, question, or concern, um, I think we're done with this topic. So then the rest of the time that we have right now is for PTAC items and or other staff member items, if, which um, Alan, Lance, do you have anything that you want to bring up that we didn't talk about today? I don't have anything. The only thing that has uh, come to my mind, it, it was briefly talked about today as as we get close to um, starting our uh, route changes, having people that can help with uh, training and education about the transit system and the changes going on. I'd maybe like to learn more about that and know how we're going to handle that in terms of uh, kind of people physically able to help um, where I might be able to fit in in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll we'll need to dedicate more than um more than one meeting to talking about the topic. You know, I think we need to spend the whole meeting talking about the topic, but we'll uh we likely should start um talking about it in uh, at minimum May, but potentially April as well. So there's kind of a ramp up what I would recommend. I don't have anything else that I want to chip in. So um, I guess the changes to staff items, uh, Adam or Jared, do you have anything that you want to bring up that wasn't on the agenda? Nothing else from us today. Okay. Well, um, I'm sorry that we didn't have a quorum and this wasn't an official meeting, but uh, we will uh, be attend or we will be in session on April 10th. Hopefully we will have enough people to have a quorum this time. So I look forward to, well, uh, one question seeing that date. You mentioned the April 15th for the next fair free, like full quarter update. Does that mean that we aren't going to meet that with this timing? I should is have. there any way that we could pull it ahead a week? Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, I'll have a, a very close to finish draft by that meeting time. So okay. um, it might that's fair. 98% draft or something, but we'll, we'll have something for you. Okay. Well, uh, with that, uh, we're adjourned then. Uh, thank you for attending, everyone. Be safe. Mm -hmm.